to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Mr. Edge, I love a lot of things about Louisville, and I missed it all this year, but yep. you did not. How was your experience in the Ville? Uh, dude, uh, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I'm so glad that they had a show, but it was weird. I mean, the, the atmosphere, um, the atmosphere felt different, you know, walking through the cattle barns with the 10 foot wide aisles and not as many people in and out of there. Um, it just, it was different. It was Louisville. It was Louisville. There was green shavings. There was good people. Um, but it was different. Um, the Louisville weather did not uh, seem to change much, though. Uh, typically, every time that, that that event takes place, there's just some some not so nice weather. There's a pretty bad windstorm and mm. rain and cold weather, and you know things that you'd expect from Louisville. Those those did show up, but it was it was a little different atmosphere. I'm telling you. Interesting. Yeah, uh, been seeing a lot of it online. Um, so yeah. I um, am interested to to see how it all, all plays out. Very thankful for the folks who put it on. I can only imagine a show of that magnitude, like we talked about with um, the Royal man, especially in this this year craziness. Yep. So, yep, pretty pretty impressive. Um, you know, Trevor, what else is impressive is the video work that our good friends at Walton Webcasting do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we've been talking about this for a while, and I hope our pig people got involved with the Turkey Bowl Cyber Stock Show that's happening this week. Uh, if you didn't, you can still watch it happen. Uh, it will start in the morning, 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, there on waltonwebcasting.com or Walton Webcasting Live on Facebook. Uh, that is this weekend. And there's also um, a couple other shows, if I remember right. So... You got to go to Walton Webcasting, get into the archives. Um, just good, good stuff there, as always. As as always, um, yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, this this year's Louisville was a little different for me too. Trev uh, um, dropped off some bread use that we sold, and um, while I was there, I was uh, I was recruited to be on a fitting team, which I was a little nervous for. Oh but, uh, snap! We did it, did it. Uh, Smith Family Farms. Uh, Got to got to pull some some not uh, offside front legs um, on some some junior shorthorn heifers. There you go. So at least it gets to be covered up a little bit by a showman if he did happen to mess up pretty bad. Uh, let's just say uh, for breaking me in on the on the green shavings, um, it wasn't terrible. But I imagine there's a lot of kids that are um, probably half my age that could fit one better than me. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fun though i will say that and uh lots to learn but hopefully i'll get to get the chance to do it some more but um pretty cool pretty cool lots of lots of really good young cattle there um and speaking of the young cattle trevor uh do you know of a, a place where you could probably buy some uh ebay i thought was a pretty good place but i don't know oh yeah <laughs> click is, is there like a click to buy option where you know instead of waiting you just you know, hit max bid one time and you own it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something like that. I reckon eBay. Nice. <laughs> no, I heard uh show cattle connections. It's the only place to go. Ah, yeah. Yep. There you go. Show cattle connection. Uh, boy, there's, there's been some really good, 
good looking sales happening here the last few weeks. Uh, I know Doug is chomping at the bit to buy some, buy some embryos and he's just kind of waiting on some of those sales to come up here, but, um, really, really high quality cattle with a extensive list of reps that you can get in contact with if you want to book a sale or if you're interested in cattle or lots on any of the sales that are on show cattle connection, mm-hmm. any one of those reps will be happy to answer your questions. I know that because I've talked to them. Good people. Good people. Good people. Well, uh, and other good people, uh, we're just going to knock them all out here. Uh, once we get into our hats off and of course, all of our hats are done by fierce threads guys. I'm telling you, we got to get to our store and we're having a black Friday sale. Super, super duper one week from today, the Friday, next Friday, the 27th black Friday stock talk sale. Here's what's going to happen folks on black Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday, the 27th through the 30th, 25% off orders over $100. We're going to have $10 t-shirts plus free shipping. Folks, I'm not so sure how much more deals we could give you, but Black Friday is going to be huge. And I'm pumped this is about gonna it. going to make you go broke. Stock <laughs> Talk Podcasts will no longer exist because of the Black Friday sale we're offering, so you're welcome. I mean, if you wanted something for your kids or your significant other, uh, if you're a kid yourself and you want to get your girlfriend or boyfriend something nice, stock talk, t-shirt, sweatshirt, hats, I I can't think of anything better. So stocktalk-podcast.com. Get your phone out. Give a nice little Google search. So looking down. Good good stuff, Jeff. Glad, Glad we decided to do this Black Friday sale because makes me feel like we're really a part of something bigger than uh, than just going out and buying the deals. We're, we're creating deals for people. Yeah, I know. And it, it's next week. Like, what the heck happened? <laughs> Thanksgiving is next week. <laughs> That's true. Holy why is Why is time going by so fast in a year where it feels like it's drug on forever? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad to kind of see 2020 go. Uh, I shouldn't say that. There's some, a lot of good good things that happen. 2020. You got married. I got, got married. married. I was going to say, I, I can't wipe 2020 clean because it is my anniversary year and always will be. Uh, but thankful that I got a wife that can continue out year after 2020. So, yes. Yes. Well, um, I guess that, that leads us into uh, to our next segment. I, I actually, uh, this, this next segment, I, I feel like. I'm going to make some people uh, relate to me pretty well. Well, let's get at it. Let me hear it. Well, how about a little hats off? Hats off brought to you by Fear Studs. Um, Trev, let me tell you. My hat goes off to the oversized fitter. <laughs> and here's why. Um, I'm... Uh, I'm Again, for those of you that have never met me, I, I'm a large human, uh, six foot six, um, you know, every bit of three bills. And uh, for a human such as myself to put themselves in uh, origami-like positions to pull a front leg on a show cow, it's quite challenging. And uh, I only did three 
in Louisville, and I will tell you that uh, I'm still hurting. Like my my muscles are very sore in my lower extremities, and I really need to uh, really either need to become more flexible or just uh, find a find a nice uh, pain reliever. But <laughs> yeah, my hat goes off to you, the oversized fitter. I like it. All right. Okay, this week, my hat goes off to the positive person in your life. You know, we just talked about it. 2020, it's been a wreck. But there's always that person, and I hope everybody has one, that just brings some light to your to your world, you know? Maybe a little dark or, you know, times may be tough, but that's okay. You still got that the hype man, that, that person that just brings a little light. I try to be that person for others. Uh, when things are a little down, I always try to see the the bright side to it, just a positive positive outlook in in a world that's so crazy. So this week, my hat goes off to you, the positive person in somebody else's life. Oh, that was nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's the uh, who's the positive person in your life, Jeff? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would like to say you because, you know, when we, we've done a lot of crazy stuff, rather it be reasons that were crazy or long trips to go look at livestock or whatever. And I would get kind of grumpy and pissy and, but you'd still be like, Hey, but that was a pretty good trip though. Right. And it was, but even more importantly in the adult life where, you know, things are getting like, ugh annoying or man i need this or man i need that you seem to always have something positive to say well thanks buddy i feel like you're probably you're, you're my person probably too um man there's a lot of people though i would put max look in that category yeah that'd be a good one as well for myself um and and uh yeah just you know when they call you um or when you call them that it's just your day's going to get just a little bit cheerier. Um, and I, I would probably put my wife in that category too, because she has been quite hilarious uh, here recently as we wait on our house to get finished being built. And uh, we're living in the parent, my, my parents' basement. Um, <laughs> so uh, as you can imagine, uh, conversations uh, to keep us both positive are, uh, are very necessary. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. You got to have one of those. Everybody does. Bingo. So I'm wondering, uh, just sitting here before we get into our Breedem Ship and Show Em, um, do you think we need a a jingle for Breedem Ship and Show Em? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I, I would love, I, I, we've tried this before, but it never happens. I would love somebody to record themselves or an instrument or something, but I mean... I don't know what kind of prize pack we could give you, but my goodness, we would we we'd do it. I think it'd be sweet. But all right, I'll work on that if if nobody can. Uh, but got a pretty good one, and it wouldn't be possible without our friends at Formula of Champions Show Feeds. Look, guys, they're sweeping the mid rest with fortified, high quality ingredients. If you want to learn more on how to flip the switch. Go to www.formulaofchampions.com to learn more. Formula of Champions, a division of Kallenbach Feeds. 
So, Corey, I believe it's your turn. This is where we would push the jingle. What's the jingle sound? Yes. Like? All right. Option number one comes, well, all of these come from Carl on Facebook. So thanks, Carl. Uh, we're still doing our prize pack, right, Corey? That's right. On episode 100, which we are gaining ground on. <clears throat> so if you send in a Breedham Ship and Showman, we use them, you're going to be on the list. And it's a prize pack, not just a hat this year. Uh, Mr. Landon got his hat in the mail, and he's pretty excited about it. This time it's a prize pack. Going to be a little bit more. So, Carl, on yep. Facebook, option number one. Poland guilt that you know. Okay, I got. I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about cows here. Now I got to shift my focus. We're we're talking pigs. Yeah, we well, yeah we're going we're going uh, another species. Although this is a, this is a cattle opposite episode. Uh, Carl sends in uh, a pig one. So we got a Poland guilt that you know has breed changing characteristics, but comes from a long line of sows that eat their offspring. Got some savages. Sounds like a typical Poland, but okay. Yes. Uh, option two, the mother breed got a Yorkshire gilt out of a record selling Yorkshire gilt of all time, built impeccable from the side up on her pasture and huge bone sound as a cat, but is narrow and could possibly burn the barn down by the sparks that come off of her, her rear end. Oh boy. Option three, Turford time, the phenotypic. The phenotypical makeup of this guilt makes you want to get into Hereford business. You have a $10,000 offer on the table, but has the has a belt that does not meet the Hereford breed characteristic requirements. Corey Edge, breed one, ship one, show one, go. All right. Uh, breed in Yorkshire, ship in Hereford, show in Poland. And here's why. Okay. It's just breed one, ship one, show one. So we're going to breed the Yorkshire guild. If we're talking the genetic prowess that could possibly come uh, of being a daughter of the record-selling Yorkshire guild, that's great in terms of build, strong pastern, which we all know Yorkshires need help there, big-legged, which again, another trait that Yorkshires have uh, a problem with, and sound. So the combination of those three traits alone are very, very good and very valuable. Okay. She must have been the uh, runt, if you think about it, because what kind of yeah. what kind of world record setting Yorkshire guilt? Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. So, so we're talking, you know, maybe maybe a little narrow hocked. Okay. All right. Uh, I still am going to bet that the genetics there are so good uh, that that we could find maybe just a, a really good square built board to kind of bring her back to reality okay. from that standpoint. So. I think we're going to have a hard time in the show ring with one that's uh, really cool like that. Like, I feel like we might be like third and or fourth in class consistently because we're not square enough from behind. Um, so I'm going to take, I'm going to take my, uh, my breeding hat and we're going to breed the orchestra. We're going to ship the Hereford guilt. And I've got a hard time doing this considering mm. a Hereford guilt worth a thousand dollars doesn't come around a whole lot. Um, but given the fact that that one uh, has a belt and, and we're going to be fighting some breed character requirements um, for that breed. Uh, I don't know exactly the inner workings of what it takes to register a Hereford uh, or what they allow to be registrable from a color marking standpoint. But if you can't register one with a belt, uh, that $10,000 value quickly, quickly becomes $10 at the local sale barn. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm just going to go ahead and probably just try to cash in um, on shipping that one. 
uh, for for my my market price. And then we're going to show the pulling gilt because if if we're talking about a breed changer, uh, I'm going to show that one and let somebody else deal with the problems of that pulling gilt being being an actual pulling gilt that likes to eat her offspring. So that is my reasoning for breeding the Yorkshire, shipping the Hereford, and showing the pole. Thank In you for your time. Interesting. So I, I would like a scenario or, or, or a caveat to this because although you may look really stupid, I would like to show the Hereford and then dismiss out the back door. And if that $10,000 is still on the table, somebody saw her, all right? Somebody had to have seen this guilt with a belt that's evidently a Hereford and still wants to buy her for 10000 Well, in this scenario, we have to either ship her or show her because I think we're all breeding the Yorkshire. I, I mean, I, I would probably... You have to breed New York. I, well, I don't know. I'm not sure you're a real big Poland guy, but... My thing is, that. you're... I'm I'm shipping the Poland. There ain't no way I'm dealing with a gilt or a sow that eats her offspring because you know if she's a sow and she's already had a litter and she or she comes from a line of that, she's probably a crazy crazy gilt as a show gilt anyway. You know what I mean? So I feel like the the Poland thing's gone. So that's tricky. Do you breed? Do you breed the Hereford gilt now? I'm thinking because. Hopefully, uh, I don't think you could. I mean, color color characteristics could be a I, problem. Like I said, I don't know if you can register one that's belted or not. I would assume you can't. But again, I, I don't really know the Hereford color quality standards that are in place at the moment. I, I would just venture to guess that that probably is a thing that you can't do. Yeah, so that's true. Um, I, I feel very comfortable breeding the Yorkshire. And I guess, you know. Again, I guess if you already have a ten thousand dollar offer on the table, and maybe you show the Hereford and get your money. That's what um, I'm thinking. I don't know. But but showing a breed changer that could possibly break a sale record at one point in time that'd be kind of cool. That's true. Uh, that's true. If she's got breed changing characteristics, I guess whoever buys her at that sale, uh, maybe just give them some red 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 tape about the sow that one's out of or something. Be like, hey, thanks for spending twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> for my pulling guilt. She's gonna eat all of her pigs. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had to survive. So, hey, this one's a survivor. Her mom tried to kill her, and she ran. <laughs> now, now you're thinking. Now you're thinking, Trev. So, all right, that was a good one. Thanks, Carl. Um, Breeding yeah, check cool. and show. Send in your uh, send them in. Get your price pack. You're in the hat, man. So, Corey Edge, you did another good one. Uh, you uh, you met a very bright, intelligent young lady down in Louisville. And uh, we're getting ready to hear from her. So why don't you introduce her? Well, um, again, I will start this, and we talk about it in the episode. Katie and I met uh, third party via Luke Ziegler uh, at Louisville. And um, over an adult beverage, we decided that uh, it'd be kind of cool to have her on the podcast. And so Katie's uh, history really in this business has been one of a very non-traditional path and kind of really cool to see how she has gone from a uh, very densely populated area in California to one of the communication staff of the largest breed registry in the United States of America when it comes to cattle. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Katie Holdner. Welcome Katie to Stock Talk Podcast.
So, Corey, I feel like I should uh, give you the reins once again for the second week in a row. This doesn't happen very often, but no. your your trip to Louisville was pretty successful for more than one reasons. But one of those reasons is what the folks are getting ready to listen to. Yeah, um, I haphazardly met Katie through uh, again a podcast guest and longtime friend uh, Luke Ziegler, and um, possibly. Um, might have enjoyed an adult beverage with Katie and got to know her a little bit and uh, decided that, boy, it'd be kind of cool to have Katie on the podcast. And here we are less than four days later uh, on the podcast. So Katie, welcome to Stock Talk. Well, thank um, you guys. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're glad to have you. Um, and not to embarrass Katie, but she uh, she didn't know what Stock Talk was until I talked to her about it. Uh, so maybe I'm embarrassing myself and Trevor. <laughs> yeah. But, well, we uh, need to reach out better. That's all. That's on us. Not her. <laughs> no, so, I, I remember telling you, I was like, I'm not your audience. Right. And then that's how this true. whole thing got started. Yeah. Very true. Um, turns out Katie could be our audience in some, some ways. Um, but Katie, thank you for joining us. Um, before we dive into what I think is going to be a really fun conversation, why don't you go ahead and do a brief introduction about yourself, uh, your background and uh, what your current role is with the American Angus Association. I hope those dogs don't keep barking. Well, first of all, first off, I'd just like to say thank you for asking me to be a part of the podcast. Um, the other night when we were visiting, I told you I hadn't listened to any episodes, but I had heard of it, right? Um, but on my drive to Tennessee this morning, I went back and I listened to a couple of the past episodes and man, I feel underqualified. So thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm just super excited to visit with you guys. And um, yeah, so like I said, my name is Katie Holdener. I currently serve as the digital content manager for the American Angus Association at our headquarters up in St. Joe, Missouri. Um, about myself, I grew up actually in the Central Valley of California on my family's row crop farm. Um, my dad grew tomatoes, asparagus, alfalfa, and my dad's side of the family and my mom's side to um, a few generations back had raised cattle actually. So my sister and I were really actively involved in 4-H and FFA and kind of got started showing cattle um, with my cousin and my mom kind of took over from there. And we were just super, we were, we were those kids that wanted to go everywhere and do all the things. <laughs> so, um, but I was super excited that I saw you had Jace and Ferris on your podcast. Those are my two, my California friends. So yeah. Very excited. And, and Ernest, uh, oh, Ernest Donahue, I mean, which that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've got some California natives on the show. Um, so row crop farming in California uh, probably doesn't equate to a whole lot of corn and soybeans. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. What was it like growing up in that kind of environment where, um, and then living in the Midwest where our cash crops are, are corn and soybeans versus uh, maybe some uh, fruits and vegetables? Oh, it was a big learning curve. And um, that's actually what got me out to the Midwest was I went to school, like I said, in the Central Valley at a huge high school. And I think there was like 2000 kids at one point. Mm, um, and it amazed me because right across the highway from our school was a tomato farm, you know, and these kids had no idea that they lived in the most nutrient dense, rich soil on planet earth really right there in the central valley and they had no idea like the rice and their sushi and the lettuce and their salad like all of those things were being grown right in that in our county so it's one of those things where i was like i've got to get out of here and go see what it's like um and see how other people communicate and how they do things so when i got to the midwest i was i was just a i was enamored with the amount of open pasture land and open cropland because we that's hard to come by in california yeah. so 
that still amazes me on my drives across the United States, just looking out and seeing nothing but farmers and tractors. And it just, it instills such a love of rural America. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what actually fueled my fire to study ag calm was I wanted to bridge the gap between the producer and the consumer. And as much as that almost sounds like a broken record nowadays, it is still so important to do and so important to do across the board, whether you are a tomato farmer or sorghum farmer or cotton farmer, we're all trying to communicate the same message, which is we produce the best product, the most sustainable way possible. And we're here to help feed America and feed the world. So yeah, it was a super fun childhood. And then I got out here. I was like, wait, you guys don't just grow tomatoes in your backyard. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Yeah. How did you, so, okay. So then you moved to the Midwest, uh, study ag common. You went, you're a Oklahoma state grad. Is that correct? Yeah, actually. So Funny story. I saw you had Clay Elliott on your last one. He was my judging coach at Redlands Community College my freshman year. And then I had Brandon Callis my sophomore year. So um, I had followed actually a line of a bunch of California kids had gone through the Redlands program and I'd gone out and toured. And when I was listening to Clay's podcast, I was like, gosh, that brings back memories when he called me and said, do you want to come out and tour Redlands? (laughs) I was like, oh my God, yes, I'll be on the next plane. (laughs) I was so excited. Um, Yeah, so I actually, I judged at Redlands for two years. And then I I knew I wanted to go to the OSU. I want to go through the OSU AgCom program. I'd known about it for, they came out and recruited us in high school, actually. Um, And I just, I fell in love with the program. I knew I wanted to get there somehow, but I wanted to do that. I want to be, try to be as financially responsible as possible. And I also want to network and I wasn't very good at judging, but I sure had a heck of a good time judging. (laughs) So I wanted to get out there, but I knew, I knew there was a couple different ways to go. So I went to Redlands for two years, had a blast, met some of my best friends and then transferred up to OSU and studied at Calm there. So at what point in your story do you decide, um, you know, you, you get done at, at OSU um, what's, what's like the next path? Because I know, um, the American Angus association wasn't your first gig at a school. Uh, so, so what kind of took your, your career path to where it is now? Sure. Yeah. Um, the spring of my senior year, I had seen a job posting for the American Hereford association actually. And my, like I said, my dad's side of the family had, um, a cattle operation and they were actually Hereford Hereford family. I didn't show any Herefords and wasn't really actively involved in it, but I said, that looks pretty cool. And uh, read through the job posting and ended up getting getting hired on there. And it brought me to Kansas City right out of school. So I had a great time working for the American Hereford Association. I learned a lot about myself, a lot about being a professional, and a lot a lot about the cattle industry that I was not really exposed to. We showed show steers and a couple, you know, cross heifers. We didn't really get involved in the seed stock world. So that was a huge eye opener, and I had a blast and got to do some really fun stuff and travel travel the country looking at red and white cattle. And uh, about a year and a half later, I ended up being recruited by, they like to say, the dark side, the Angus Association. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been the digital content manager now going on a little over three years. That's awesome. And that's probably uh, as fascinating as anything is, you know, you you go from one association to the other. And and we're going to circle back around to a lot of the conversation about your your experiences and and current employment, really, Uh, because I think marketing and really communications in general is probably the most important now than it's been for a long time. Uh, But it's also probably the most challenging with the pandemic and everything. Quick break in the action, folks. I know it's a good one, but we'll let you get right back to it after we tell you about our new sponsor, Phantom Halter. It's the ultimate cable halter, folks, and you need one. Rather you're in the barn or the show ring, 
Phantom Halter will help showmen of all ages control their animal. The Phantom Halter was developed with both the showman and your stock in mind. It's a smooth and it's not prone to fray like other cable halters on the market. The Phantom Halter is better for your animal and it does not aggravate them or bother them in any way. Trevor, I cannot tell you how many phantom halters I saw in Louisville this past weekend. And you can use this style both in the show ring, like I saw, or at home. With this style, there's no need to place a show halter over top of this halter. Just attach your choice of lead and hit the ring. For cattle, there are three sizes to choose from with no tools required. We also have two sheep and goat halter sizes available. So go to phantomhalter.com that's p-h-a-n-t-o-m halter.com to place your order use coupon code stock talk all lowercase all one word s-t-o-c-k-t-a-l-k stock talk for a five percent discount on your next order let's get back to the show uh, well, we can kind of, Corey's kind of navigated us through uh, your past and, and now you're at the American Angus Association. So what has it been like uh, maybe with your team or even yourself to market in a pandemic that's gone almost completely virtual um, and not being able to really put boots on the ground like we, we have in the past or, or maybe you have been, but what's it been like marketing during the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge learning curve for a lot of people, um, myself included. So we have about 130 folks up in our office in St. Joe. Um, we are constantly turning in registration numbers, trying to put in data, do you name it, we do it there at the office and it's all done by a great group of customer service reps. And it was a huge learning curve for us to have to send 120 or so people to work from home. We kept a skeleton crew on of about 10 people. Um, they're trying to get mail opened and trying to get data processed and things like that. So our team in communications kind of had to spring into action, communicating that we are still open. We are still open for business. We are still registering cattle. We are working from our dining room tables and still trying to provide top-notch customer service um, without missing a beat. So that was really fun. We had to come together and we produced a series of videos right in the beginning of March and April um, because we knew a lot of our breeders have day jobs and now they're at home and they were trying to, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go on and register that calf that I've been meaning to do for the yeah. last two months. So we really kind of sprung into action and we created, I want to say seven different videos, um, that we had needed to create for a long time. And it was one of those things where we finally had them, the encouragement to do it about everything from registering cattle to understanding EPDs, learning your, learning the tools we have that we provide at the American Angus Association. Um, we really wanted to put the focus on educating our members to maybe now for the first time had a little bit more time to spend um, diving into the registration side of things. So that was really fun. We, we took a lot of things online that we hadn't before. Um, we started doing um, Angus University webinars. Um, our education coordinator, Jared Pipkin, really hit it out of the park. She produced, I want to say, I think we're on our 10th webinar now. They're now monthly. Um, they started out in February, actually, right before the pandemic hit. And we were like, this is the perfect opportunity to keep these going. And She's covered topics on fertility, on EPDs, on marketing, kind of you name it. And we started a, a series of webinars that covered all facets of the association. And then we also provided them on our YouTube channel. So you could go back and watch them later. We did um, like summary videos. So if you didn't have time to watch the whole hour long webinar, we boiled it down into about a six minute video that gave you all the need to know information. We started an email newsletter that really kept everyone in the loop of what was going on and how to keep in touch with your customer service people and how to get things turned in really well. It, 
it was a it was a total learning curve, but we did it. And I think the icing on the cake was literally last week, a week and a half ago. Um, typically, we host our annual Angus convention um, on top of our annual meeting every year. And with restrictions put in place in Kansas City, there's just no way we're going to be able to have our, typically we have between 1,500 and 2,000 people um, attend mm. each year. So we had to peel that back and keep it strictly about the business meeting, but we were able to toss in a few really good keynote speakers um, and things like that. But the, the biggest challenge was we offered it virtually as well. Mm. And we're not talking just like a computer on Zoom. We had a full production company come in and we were live streaming our Angus, the, our, um, keynote speakers, our CEO, I mean, you name it, it was all done online as well as um, in-house for those people who wanted to come to Kansas City. And we, we gave them the option. If you want to come, we're more than happy to host you. But we also understand that if you want to watch this from home, you totally could. Um, so that was quite the learning curve was trying to figure out how to put on a conference, both in person and virtual for those who wanted to attend. And then also getting people who have never been on Zoom before. <laughs> now on Zoom. <laughs> right. um, again, Jared did a great job. She hosted several different workshops on how to get on Zoom, how to create an account, where to na- how to ask a question, how to vote, because our annual meeting was also hosted virtually. So we had people voting from their homes, which had, in our 120-year existence, I don't think that's ever happened. Right. <laughs> so it was a total learning curve, but I think our breeders adapted and they did the best they could and they, and they got online and we made it work. Well, talk about... Uh just adapting and overcoming the inefficiency at that. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I, in a personal level, uh, you go back to think about like, Oh, I need to register that heifer. I haven't. Well, I spent a lot of money during quarantine <laughs> because we started looking at those projects around home, just, just like a, a herdsman would do about, you know, maybe getting the heifer register or whatever, but new garage came where he did the laundry room <laughs> and you got a little, uh, you know, stir crazy, but talk about the efficiency uh, of the association. That is, that's incredible. Uh, and I think I'm probably biased here, but us livestock folks are really used to being, uh, adapting and overcoming. Uh, but when we're given adversity, I think, you know, that, that, that right there, that the Ang Association overcame that, uh, twofold. And, uh, Corey, I, I wrote down a few names that we may need to make a few phone calls, uh, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. touch base with, with all the awesome people. But, uh, it's, it's intriguing. Uh, one of the, we don't have this on our list, but I had a conversation the other day about, um, you know, the older generation, um, you know, just starting to learn technology. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, we've had to really adapt to the Zoom meetings, to, um, you know, being remote and being virtual. And that barrier had to be huge when it, you know, usually 2000 people come to that event. Uh, but how cool was it that you, you were able to sit down and just, here's this button, click this and, and do that. But do you see in your position kind of a a barrier, uh, a, ger- a generational barrier, I guess I should say, in, in that of technology developing so quick that, you know, you have to kind of take a step back and, and teach somebody uh, the, the new ways to do things. Yeah, absolutely. I think with anything, I mean, my role as digital content is constantly changing. And I came from the generation, obviously, that I've had a phone in my hand for as long as I can remember. You know, getting on my computer every day is something I've just grown to do. Um, so I think you kind of have to take a step back and realize not everyone (laughs) is addicted to technology like our generation and kind of put yourself in the perspective of they get on their computer 
probably once or twice a week to do a few things and they hop back off. Yep. Right. They're not staring at a computer screen for eight hours a day. Like, like most of us do when in office setting. So, um, yeah, the learning curve was big, but I will say we are really blessed with a great membership of people who are willing and able to try. Um, you know, of course you get faced with people with the, well, why can't you just print it out and mail it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can't do that. So, but it's, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to think about, well, that's what they're used to is getting all their mail and all the registrations done. Um, on hard copies and paper copies. And we still, and we still try to, we adapt and we, we let people do that. That's 100% fine. But, you know, I think the pandemic in some ways kind of forced you to either adapt or you're going to get left behind. Absolutely. Um, and that's what we found out with the, with the convention going virtual was if these people were truly, a lot of them were delegates that were needed to be in the meeting and needed to vote. If they truly wanted to be involved in the future of their organization, they were going to have to hop online, call, their grandkids to call someone over to get you set up. And like I said, we had provided them with so many materials to make it. We want to make it as easy as possible. We had a PDF that they could print out and check boxes as they went on. We had the video tutorials. We had everything from an email newsletter once a week with here's how to log on. Here's how to log on again. In case you forgot, here's for the third time. (laughs) Here's how to log on. Absolutely. (laughs) So yeah, there is a barrier there for sure. But I I think we're, we're really lucky with a membership that is actively involved and actively wanted to be there. And they were going to move heaven on earth to get online. And some people really, even some people that we talked to that did not have internet, they said, we're going to our friend's house. We'll be there. Like we're going to be online. Mm. So yeah, it was a really interesting, interesting thing to watch. And I'm so proud of our team for pulling it off. And I mean, it was a huge undertaking, like I said, to take 2000 people. We did not have nearly 2000 people online. Don't, don't think like that. Like we had a lot of folks online tuning into each session and it was so cool to say that we, we pulled it off. Absolutely. So yeah, it's um, really interesting to think about too the the fact that you guys left no stone unturned when it comes to thinking about what's it going to be like to be in the shoes of a cattle producer that's been um, that's been doing this for you know thirty, forty, fifty years uh, that has never felt the need to own a computer even um, and do all their records by hand. So uh, thinking about all that kind of stuff, you know, kind of kind of makes me think about, you know, what folks do uh, when marketing their own livestock. I guess I kind of think of it from the aspect of what stones have you left unturned um, when marketing your livestock? And so I'm going to segue into our next topic here. And that is, you know, from your perspective, you know, managing content on a digital platform, I think we're all under, uh, or at least a few or in the 21st century, you realize that digital marketing is an extremely uh, important and popular way to get um, your livestock marketed. But uh, from your perspective and working with the Angus Association, what advice would you give those at home uh, that are trying to market their own livestock, whether that be seed stock or, or commercial or uh, even in the show ring? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And like I said, with everything I do, it seems like as soon as I start to master something, it changes. So um, I think some of the like new trends that you can follow on Facebook, I don't think we have to tag 90 people in Facebook posts anymore. Let me just tell you, like with the way the algorithm works, and if you can actually dive in and create an audience that is interested in your product and interested in your sale or your genetics, you don't have to go through the the ways that people started out on Facebook. You know, I got to tag everyone and their mom to make sure that this post gets to the top of the newsfeed. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to work like that anymore. Um, I think Facebook is doing a great job and probably too good of a job, um, at helping you build 
and tailor your audience. So if you're just getting started in Facebook and you have a Facebook page for your farm or ranch, I think one of the most helpful things you can do is go into your ads manager and create an audience that is truly who you're trying to market cattle to. So look at some other Facebook pages that are doing a good job. Who are they targeting? Add a lookalike audience, add things like that. So that when you do go and you're looking at your marketing budget and say you want to spend $100 boosting a post, you can actually boost that post and put it in the eyes of people who you really want to see rather than just getting a lot of likes and getting a lot of shares because yes, likes and shares are absolutely important, but that doesn't necessarily mean like your buyer is liking and sharing your post. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think some of the things like leads generation is a huge deal. Um, email marketing is something that I think a lot of people probably don't take advantage of as much as they should, but most breed associations have an email newsletter or some sort of a marketing piece that they put out every week or every month. Um, and most of them will allow you to place a banner ad for very, very little marketing dollars. So if you can get an email newsletter with a banner ad that says so-and-so sale online, click here to learn more, you're putting yourself in front of two, 3,000 more people that may not be on social media, but they're checking their email every day. Um, I think banner ads are a great way to do it. And also, like I said, leads generation and email marketing. So doing an ad and starting an, an email newsletter and getting that out to people who are routinely coming to your sales. If you've got something you need to share with folks, you've got their emails. It could be five people. It could be a hundred people, but those are truly people who care about buying your livestock and whatnot. So I think there's some really good ways you can, you can use Facebook to your advantage. Um, I know, I mean, you go shopping on Amazon, you go shopping online and then five minutes later, those ads are showing up on the side of your Facebook, right? Like they almost do too good of a job of putting the things you're interested in in front of you, but it also will help you as a business owner to use some of their tools to their, to your advantage rather than just hitting boost and hoping and praying that it gets out there. So Katie, this is really, really, really good stuff. And I hope people are listening because what you just talked about, Corey and I just had a meeting with our marketing director mm -hmm. and that stuff that you just talked about, and I call it stuff because I'm not knowledgeable enough to, to figure it out yet, and I'm still learning, and it's still evolving. But Corey and I had a really good meeting uh, the other day about, you know, what, what does the future of marketing look like and that kind of stuff for Stock Talk. And a lot of what you just said is is cutting-edge, next-level stuff that, uh, that look-alike audience, the uh, targeting your group, and, uh, you know, we just came off of the election, and how many times did you see a go vote ad or, you know, that that's not by mistake. And when you can do that with your cattle or, or with your livestock in general, uh, man, you're missing out on an opportunity to, to not do that. But I hope people will listen to you there because that's that's the world we live in. Uh, and I'm blown away by the current modern marketing schemes that are out there. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, there's people way smarter than me um, that are that are getting it done. Uh, but I also like, um, you know, we probably don't take advantage of that that banner ad uh, as as frequently as we need to, because rather you like it or not, people see it, even if they don't click on it, uh, it's seen. So, Corey, I don't know about you, but uh, that's some next level knowledge that people just got. Yeah. And, and you know, the other the other piece, I guess, that I might want to add here or, or Katie would would like you to maybe touch on, too, is um one of the, the things that uh, if anybody has paid attention to the American Angus Association um, and has not lived under a rock probably knows that the consistent branding and messaging that the, uh, that the Angus Association has done over the years um, has helped them build that brand, uh, build and establish the name, 
uh, Angus and and um, coined the phrase, you know, the business breed. Ladies and gentlemen, another pause in the action to tell you about our good friends at Legacy Livestock Imaging. Folks, if you are not aware and you have not seen the incredible work that the crew at Legacy Livestock Imaging does, please go check them out at LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Heidi and her crew have an incredible set of employees that work the barns, that get great pictures ringside, that do awesome backdrop photos. But more than that, they're down-to-earth people that can come to your farm, take family photos, go to your kids' graduation parties, make sure that they get good pictures as well. Maybe you have a wedding coming up that you want a good photographer for that's livestock-minded and within the industry and help support those kind of people. Well, Heidi Anderson and her team do that as well. Folks, go check out LegacyLivestockImaging.com today. There's lots of things that that the American Angus Association does from a marketing standpoint that um, ha- have been consistent over time. And I guess, um, Katie, maybe touch on the importance of that and and how you message and brand and um, that sort of thing in relation to uh, how folks are, are marketing their cattle. Sure. Yeah. Brand is actually something that I'm super passionate about. Um, I have always said consistency is key. And I think when I first started at Angus, we had such an incredible brand already built that it wasn't like I had to go recreate the wheel, right? Like we had a color scheme. We had a great logo. Our logo is truly iconic at this point. We've had the same logo for over 40 years. Um, and it's really, it's not going anywhere. Um, I think one of my, my best and most favorite projects, I think that I've been able to work on in the last year and a half, I'd say, um, we actually, did a pretty good size audit on what we had as far as literature and our website and the look and the feel. And we, we, we took a hard look in the mirror and we said, is this what we want to put out there for people? Is this what is representing our membership to the best of our ability? And within the last six months or so, we've officially launched our new style guide, which I'm super, super proud of. And we changed the color scheme. We changed the look and the feel, and you'll start seeing that come out in our Facebook posts, you'll start seeing that come out in our literature that's handed out at trade shows. Our trade show booth in general has completely changed landscapes. Um, we've really done a good job of not getting comfortable, I'd say. And I think that's something that I, I love working at Angus for this reason is we've never rested on our morals and we're constantly pushing the envelope. And we, like I said, we took a good hard look and we said, is this what we want to look like for the next five, 10, 15 years? Um, so we released our new style guide internally a few months ago and we're, we're slowly but surely um, chipping off the block of looking at all of our resources and our website and everything that goes out from our email newsletters and more, making sure it's the same color scheme, the same tone, the same message across all the atmos- all the platforms um, and keeping that really consistent. Um, I'd say too, I think what we do really, really well, and, I, and like you said, if you haven't lived under a rock, we, we have some of the best video team. We have the best video team that produces the best videos I think out there. And I'm so proud to say that they they work with us in our office in St. Joe, we have three full-time videographers. And I think as things consistently change, video is something that has completely taken, taken a turn for the better. Um, we're able to share our members' stories. We're able to produce documentaries that are getting out there to people that probably had no idea what we do. You know, We're reaching consumers with our video work. And I love working with those guys because the best part about them is they actually did not grow up in the Angus world. They did not grow up in agriculture at all. Um, they grew up in a suburb in, in Kansas and Missouri, you know, so they take things mm-hmm. from such a different perspective. And I think that's something that we need to do a good job too of, you know, not everyone looks at things the way we do. We grew up in this industry. We think we know how it should be done. And they kind of look at things as well. Have you thought about it from this angle? 
Um, and I think that's why we've been so successful is we take everything to the next level and video work is something that I, I cannot speak highly enough. And I, I've seen a bunch of people that are tapping into video now and I, I love it because you, you even as a simple as this is our, our branch and this is our history and here's how we got started, that builds a connection with a potential customer, mm-hmm. that builds a connection with a potential resource. A, a potential hire, you know, just getting that out there and having something that you can watch and, and learn from totally connects you with a whole different group. Um, and using platforms, I would say we use Facebook, obviously, regularly. We love our Instagram page as well for sharing more of the photography and doing our swipe up links and polls and whatnot. Um, using your platforms differently, I think is a huge deal too. Um, I know a lot of brands kind of get stuck in a rut of, I, well, I got to post on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, you can post different things on each one. You don't have to blanket all three platforms um, with the same same image same text at the same time you can switch it up you can use a different tone you can use a different message on all three platforms and something we've recently tapped into is the power of linkedin which i never really thought of because i didn't even really use linkedin mm-hmm. in college to be honest with you but we're using linkedin now as a way to reach other companies and reach potential hires and people who might be interested in working at angus and sharing our message there has been really really neat I've started seeing a bunch of people who are using LinkedIn more than they're using Facebook, which I never would have thought. But when you look at your Facebook full of ads or full of messages that you Mm -hmm. probably don't agree with, LinkedIn really doesn't have that kind of that kind of tone. So just using different platforms, I'd say, and making sure you're you're reaching the audience on each one um, and not just relying solely on Facebook anymore, I think is something that we've we've tried to do as well. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff that I think. from the outside looking in, unless you're directly involved or, or understand ag communications, you probably don't think about stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I think one of the best things that we can do within our industry is um, continue to promote from within, you know, even our own businesses, um, our own, whether whether you raise club lambs or show steers or, or, a, or large scale seed stock producer. Um, I, I think we can all do a probably a better job consistently um, branding ourselves and, and really making this industry um, look, look like what it truly is. And, and that is um, one that can help folks uh, not only from a uh, way to way to live, um, but also, you know, our, our junior membership and things like that. And I guess, you know, keep keeping that setting in mind, um, you know, we'll jump to the next topic here, and and that is, um, you know, the American Angus Association. I feel like is uh, one of one of several breeds out there that it's in a unique position to where the um, the seed stock and commercial industry um, can be very tos- closely tied with the show ring uh, in, in some way or another. So, um, I, I guess from your perspective, Katie, what emphasis does um, the association put on commercial production versus show cattle and maybe trying to blend those two industries together. Yeah. Um, I'd say a very small percentage. I think of what we do, you'd have to talk to one of my boss or someone higher up than me, um, on what the ratio is between the show world and, and just our regular seed stock producers. Um, but I'll tell you, we registered 330,000 head of Angus cattle last year. And I don't think very many of those hit the show ring. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, we right. have a seed stock, membership of close to 25,000. So we really try to make sure in our communications and our messaging that we reach all of our audiences. We have people that are avid in the show world. We have people that just want to produce bulls and sell them to the commercial cattlemen. And then we have the people who are selling top dollar, top dollar females. So 
we have a really diverse membership. And I think that's what makes us a little bit different than a lot of the breed associations is we really strive to create programs and services that are tailored to every segment of the industry. So um, if you're not familiar with how the association is set up, we the American Angus Association is the umbrella, the parent company for our four um, subsidiary entities. So we have the Certified Angus Beef brand, which is the world's leading, I'm not tooting my own horn, but it is the world's leading branded beef program. Um, I think they marketed more than 2 billion pounds of CAB last year. So it that's really increased the demand and the pull through for registered Angus genetics. Um, we have Angus Media, which is our in-house ad, ad agency, basically. They put together the Angus Journal and the Angus Beef Bulletin, our seed stock and commercial facing magazines, respectively. And they also have an in-house web design, a sale book design, you name it, they do it at Angus Media. And they're some of the best in the business at putting out sale catalogs and sale books and building breeder websites. Um, we also have our Angus Foundation, which is um, their mission is youth education and research and giving back to the breed. It's our 501c3. And then we have Angus Genetics Inc., which is our DNA company that does a lot of our genetic database and programs and services around data collection. So we we reach all asset, all facets of the beef cattle industry. And I think that's what makes us really unique in the breed association world is we have something for everyone. Um, in the commercial world, we launched our Angus Link program um, and built it in with our Angus Source program in January of 2020. So it's almost a year old now that it's been together. Um, it's our USDA process verified program. So cattlemen from any sort, any segment of the industry can enroll in the PVPs um, from cattle handling to calf management, if you've got your BQA certification. So when you go to auction those calves, you get a higher premium because you've enrolled in the Angus Link program. You've documented your, you went the extra mile and you can go document that now and ask for a little more money come sale day. So we've got programs and services that are tailored to every segment of the industry. And I think that's a really, really cool deal. Big time. And the fact that it's kind of all four corners of the industry uh, you know, you, it's kind of one-stop shop, I guess I should say. Uh, and, and I'm going to preface this next question. Uh, it, it may be a little profound or maybe not, but I feel that the Angus breed in itself bridges the closest gap between commercial and show and the aspect of it's so widely used, uh, in, in commercial production, but yet the show cattle are, are still phenomenal. Uh, okay. and then, and in some, some cases, you know, other breeds may be really lopsided one way or the other. Uh, so I, I guess what I, I say that, uh, to follow up with, you know, in every species, we've talked to a lot of people about this question, uh, but as the years progress, it kind of seems that the show industry inches further away from the commercial livestock production side of things. Do you feel that's true? Or do, do you think the Angus best adopts both sides? Yeah, I'd say we really do a both good job of hitting both sides because I think the show cattle world is so important though. I hope that my last answer didn't didn't come off that way, but the show cattle world is a great way for producers to market their cattle. And yes, they're showing these awesome show heifers, but they probably are backed by really good bulls. So, you know, you can use the show cattle world as a way to market your operation and meet people and get out and see the country and and learn from other people when you're you know, hanging around the show ring, you can ask questions and, and learn what's new in the breed and how to follow trends and see what's, see what's going on. Um, but I'd say Angus in general, the Angus cow is the most adaptable cow in the marketplace. She works in any region in pretty much any location. And the Angus bull works on most breeds. And I, I don't think a lot of, a lot of places can say that, um, that 
I was listening to Clay's <laughs> podcast about the key, the key bowl, not working out in Wyoming. Well, that, that is a disadvantage. I think a lot of people have, but we're pretty lucky that Angus is used in almost all 50 States. And we have a membership of people that range from one head to 500 head. Um, like I said, going back to the diverse membership thing, I think that's what makes us really lucky is we have members in the commercial cattlemen operate in commercial operations, in seed stock operations, and people that just want to show cattle and have fun with their kids. So I think we we do a good job of bridging both the show ring and then tying it back to programs and services that actually put stake on people's plates. From a show ring setting too, um, you know, we're not just talking about here in the United States. It's it's international. Um, you know, the 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 pride of the Angus breed is, you know, you talk about Canada and Argentina and and, and um even over overseas in the UK, um, although maybe a little different style of Angus, still Angus. Um, and, and still the, those, it's just really neat to kind of see, um, you know, that there is some real world uh, application uh, from that transitions from the show ring, uh, you know, to commercial production. And, and I guess, you know, we, we grow up uh, trying to create these, um, these genetic outliers or these phenotypic outliers for, um, what we like to see in the show ring. And yet, um, there's still real world application for some of that. And, and, um, it's not all lost. Like I feel like some people would like to say it is. Um, and so, uh, it kind of makes, uh, watching ringside a little bit more fun knowing that these, uh, these, some of these genetics can go back and really, um, help our producer make a pretty good premium when it's all said and done. Yeah. And I think too, thanks to the help of the certified Angus beef brand, like I said, with that pull through demand, Angus is now synonymous with quality um, around the world. And most times when I meet a consumer or I'm at an event, they'll say, well, what do you do? And I say, well, have you ever heard of the certified Angus beef brand? And they're like, oh yeah, the steaks, the beef. And I'm like, yeah. So I work on the other side, I work on the live side with the farmers and ranchers producing quality cattle to meet those premiums. So it, it's a really, I, I love my job if you can't tell. And I think it's really fun to get out and, and talk to people about what we do and how we market Angus cattle really globally as it is. Um, I don't get to go to the international events because that's, that would be really cool though. <laughs> I would love to go see, I might just have to take a trip one of these days on, on vacation and go, I would love to go down to Argentina or Brazil and watch one of their big shows where they, the cheering section is like a soccer game, you know, right. where they mm-hmm. slap the champion and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> that would yeah. be so cool. Uh, yes. It, we- we don't necessarily adopt that in the U.S. I feel like we're all too competitive to get real excited when one <laughs> person wins, but uh, it would be kind of cool to see. <laughs> Let me pause real quick to tell you about TMD. You know what that is. It's Tarbell Marketing and Design. Look, we just had a meeting with him the other day, and the reason we're not doing the Monster Jam ad is because you haven't heard us talk about it in a while. And it's true. Jace Tarbell is next level. His marketing's great. His graphics are incredible. And if you've never done business with him before, all you got to do is give him a call, go to his website, and say you've heard this ad on Stock Talk, and you're going to get 15% off if you're a new customer. If you've already done business with him before, you know he's the leading marketing and design. He's livestock savvy, so why not use him? Tarbell Marketing and Design, folks. Check it out at choosetmd.com. I think uh, we've we've hit the point in time to jump into one of our most famous segments, The Breakdown. Of course, brought to you by Brad Howe Ford. 
located in Kokomo, Indiana. Our good friends, the Andersons, uh, Heidi and Charles, were asking how far Kokomo, Indiana is from Louisville. Just about two and a half hours, Mr. Edge. Uh, so if you're listening in Louisville, out in the tie stalls, wherever you may be, just cruise on up to Kokomo, Indiana and get you a new vehicle. You know you've been wanting one, so might as well do it with Brad Halford. We thank you uh, for their dedication there. Go to Brad Halford in Kokomo, Indiana. So, Katie, uh, we're going to break down young ag professionals. This is something that I'm uh, as passionate about as anything uh, because I love seeing youth develop, uh, and I love seeing them come through agriculture at that. So what does a, a kid listening maybe now or maybe in the future, how do they put themselves in a position to be successful in the industry? And coming from your experiences, obviously really, really successful at a high rate right out of college, uh, what do you suggest a best course of action could be? Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say I did not do the best job of this when I was in college, but I would say take every opportunity that is given to you and run with it. I looked at internships all over the place and I applied for a bunch. I worked on campus. I, I would say if you see something out there that you're interested in, just go for it. I was kind of a shy kid growing up. I didn't like putting myself out there and sometimes it's hard. It still is at my age. And I, I think growing up and getting away from, okay, well, it's going to be really hard. Well, yeah, everything in life is going to be hard. So get out of your comfort zone. Try to apply for an internship that's out of your out of your comfort zone. And maybe it's something that you're not super familiar with, but you're going to learn, you're going to try, and you're going to work hard. And maybe at the end of the day, you didn't like it, but at least it was an internship and it was over after that. Mm. Um, I would say also, don't be afraid to use your resources. Um, make an, you know, this whole livestock industry is one big network, right? And it's all about who you know and make a phone call. If you're interested in getting a job with, the pork checkoff, call someone, you know, who might know someone who might know someone at the pork checkoff and see if you can get your resume in and see if they have anything open. Um, if you know someone who hell, has a podcast like you guys, and you've interviewed someone, Hey, you had them on, would you happen to have their email? I'd love to pick their brain about such and such. Mm -hmm. Um, this industry has fueled my fire for so many years and it's, I've gone to where I am because of who I know and making good connections and look at why I'm on this podcast. We had an adult beverage <laughs> in Louisville <laughs> and I ended up being interviewed four days later. So take your, take every opportunity and run with it and don't be afraid to use those resources and reach out to people because if you, you you'll never know unless you try. And I think being that shy kid from California, it, it took a lot for me to move to Oklahoma and meet some great people and get out of my comfort zone. And I'm just so glad I did. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's hard for a kid to understand that too in college too. Like you know, oh, I'm so scared, I, and I'm I'm nervous, but I'm not gonna be good enough. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean that's the whole point of an internship though, and and I I love now. I'm really passionate about our internship program at Angus, and uh, we've had some really great interns the last three summers, and I learned more from them that summer than they learned from me sometimes. <laughs> yep, you know they are on the cutting edge of all the social platforms and learning what they learn in school. And they come in, they're so excited and full of life. And it just gives us, gives us another layer of motivation for three months. You know, they keep us on our toes. We keep pushing them and we require a lot out of them. Um, yeah. Our interns, we say are, are part of our team. There's no getting coffee. There's no running errands. You write press releases and build emails and, and you host videos and it, it's, it's a real job. So yeah, I, I think, and also to add to that, and I feel like I'm rambling is find a mentor. I think that's a big deal for Huge. me right now. Yep. Um, in my position, I am a mentor now to some of our new hires and I love it. Like I said, with interns, I learn more from them than they learn from me. And 
a mentor is someone that can, you can lean on, you can ask questions to, you can, they're, they're a third party that you can bounce ideas off of and get some really, really good advice and maybe find a mentor who's not in your industry and, uh, and pick their brain on, on different trends and things. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's even something else I would probably want to add to this as we, as we work through the breakdown. And that is, um, you know, we, we very much live in a, in a digital world. We've, we've touched on that earlier. Um, you know, and if you're interested in, in having a career in this industry, I will tell you, number one, um, it, it can be challenging because if somebody loves what they do in this industry, they're, they're probably not going to leave anytime soon. They're going to stick around. They're going to find different ways uh, to continue thriving in a career path that makes them excited every day to get up and go to work. But at the same time, think about what you're doing now. Um, think about uh, the people you surround yourself with, the, the, the things that you post on social media. Um, you know, th- those platforms aren't going away anytime soon. And uh, I would encourage also uh, aspiring young ag professionals um, to kind of know where you're at. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I like to go out and have fun and, and hang out to, with the best of them. But at the end of the day, you know, having some perspective on where you want to be in the future, especially if you're one of those that's kind of on the cusp of um, making some of those life decisions, right. that's something to probably keep in mind as well. I, I think to add to in specifically in the ag com world, I think one of my mentors is Kyla Denise, and she has always talked about the power of your personal brand. Um, and that has always, that drove it home for me. Like your brand is who you are in person. It's who you are on social media, the stuff you share and the, the voice behind you, your posts and whatnot, that stuff lives there. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. find stuff online very easily, whether that's positive or negative. Um, and finding your personal brand, I think is so such a cool way to market yourself because the way we look at internships is we go to your social media and what are they sharing? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it, is it actually helping the ag industry move forward? Or are they just sharing a bunch of fashion, you know, which is totally fine, but it, it's just a different <laughs> thing. It's like, what, what are they motivated by? What are their passions? Is that, is that coming through on their social media and with, with ag com? I mean, you almost have to be as much as I hate social media. Some days you almost have to be active in it. Um, and my personal brand, you know, is something I'm very passionate about. And it's something that I think a lot of people forget about, you know, yeah, you're marketing, I'm marketing the American Angus association, but I'm also marketing myself. Definitely. So, yeah, and I get I so embarrassed when I look back into like Facebook still has my, uh, you know, early high school pictures and, and all that and none of it is detriment to my career but it's just like why did you feel the need to put (laughs) that picture up for whatever it is uh and and now i mean i i think it's becoming more and more apparent uh that you know people are teaching kids that uh you know your social media presence is absolutely crucial and and uh you know employers look at that uh i i've experienced that firsthand uh, you know, they, they call it, you know, Facebook creeping or whatever, uh, but realistically, uh, that's part of the interview process nowadays. If you put something out there that, uh, is questionable to begin with, that's, that's going to really affect you one way or the other, just on the opposite or the same side of the coin, I guess I should say, if it's empowering and positive and energetic, that could get you the job. You know, or, or or that could push you into a whole nother stratosphere. And Corey and I've talked about before our personal brand and what we're doing. 
Uh, and, and we've talked on here before about, you know, we, we've, I think it was Heidi Anderson, Corey, if, if I'm correct, where she said, if you couldn't grab a microphone in the middle of the biggest stadium in the world and say what you're about to say, then don't say it on a keyboard. There and, you go. And that's that, great. That's profound. And, and that's huge. Uh, but that that's that would be my small piece of advice for on top of everything Katie's pouring out there is, uh, you know, just be careful and and in the same sense, be loud and be positive in, in that in that way. So yeah, common sense. I think like common sense on social media is yes. so important. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know, I'll always be aware of your surroundings too. I mean, don't get uh, again. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a fun hater at all. I'm actually quite the opposite. Um, and Katie can probably attest to that considering our first meeting. Um, but at the same time, just, just know who you're around, uh, when, when you're, um, in certain places and, and just kind of be cognizant of your surroundings too, I think as, as a, uh, young act professional, I wish somebody would have told me that a little bit sooner. Um, you know, uh, cause I, I probably acted like an idiot around people oh, yeah. I shouldn't have at some point in time. Yeah. yeah. And I think we all go through that. You know, I, I was, you make mistakes and you learn from, them. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is owning up to it and apologizing and say, you know what, I really screwed that up and I'm never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. That was the last question that we usually give and you, and you already answered it, but some of the lessons that you've learned in the livestock industry, I love that one. Uh, it's, that's probably, and personally, that's the toughest thing for me to do is, Standing there and saying, look, I messed up. I have no other explanation. Um, and if it's not, a, a, you know, as detriment or, or whatever, uh, just being honest, you know, like just sitting there and, and opening up your book because that's going to that's gonna help you out in the long run. Absolutely. So uh, I guess we will close officially with uh, with the last question that we've asked every guest here and this this year's uh, events of Stock Talk Podcast, and that is, what lessons has the show stock industry taught you? Gosh, I would say never be afraid to ask for help. Um, I'm constantly learning and trying to get better with my with my job and with myself as a as a human being. Um, but being able to reach out to someone and bounce ideas off of them and, and ask for help, I think, is a huge lesson I've learned because at the end of the day, none of us are experts, right? Like as much as I love what I do and I think I'm good at it, I know that there's still another mountain to climb. So asking for help, asking someone a question just to get started, um, I think is, is something that I learned early on gets you, gets you farther in life. Mm -hmm. Well, that's crucial. And, uh, man, if, uh, no matter what your age, I, I think there's a lot to learn, uh, of, from Miss Katie here, and, and we really appreciate you jumping on and and telling us about your profession and and, and something that uh, you're very passionate about. So uh, it's a really interesting conversation. And man, I'm really mad that I didn't get to go to Louisville uh, because I guarantee I'd be there uh, by uh, Big Old Corey Edge, and we would have had a blast. But down the road, I promise we'll run into each other, uh, and uh, we'll have to maybe an adult beverage on ourselves and have Old Corey Edge with us. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, awesome. thanks, Katie. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Corey, my man, quite the successful adult beverage visit with our new friend Katie. Well, there's nothing wrong with uh, enjoying a an evening there at the Crown uh, Crown Plaza in Louisville, Kentucky. I feel like that's where a lot of good things 
uh, happen to people. Yes. Uh, at least from my perspective, I've met quite a few awesome industry people there. And so uh, if you're ever in need of a good social environment with livestock people, I would highly encourage attending uh, the Blue Horse there at the Crown Plaza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That was uh, real, real good. Uh, you know, I don't really have much to follow up with here other than uh, if you are an uh, aspiring ag communicator or even just a, an older stock person wanting to know, uh, you know, what the fate of your a particular associations rest in the hands of um, people like Katie. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's really exciting to know that, um, you know, her, her career path is still very much uh, young. And so very cool stuff, Trevor. It's pretty cool. And you know what also is cool? Uh, we, we had a good talk with Katie and she's pretty awesome. But as we talked about in our intro, we're having a Black Friday sale and it's going to be large and in charge at stocktalk-podcast.com. Uh, you guys have know where the store's at. 25% off if you spend $100 or more. $10 t-shirts. This starts on Black Friday, the 27th, and goes through the 30th. Those three days only. Did I mention free shipping? No. But that's what's going to happen, folks, while while supplies last. I'm telling you, get there fast. Black Friday, the 27th, on stocktalk-podcast.com. So, with that being said, folks, uh, we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for tuning in week to week. We've got exciting stuff coming down the pike, and we can't wait for next week. We'll see you all then.